Welcome back to the White Grey Black Weekly Manga Podcast. This is the podcast where we talk all about your favorite ongoing Japanese manga. My name is Bruce. I am the proprietor of the White Grey Black YouTube channel. With me again this week is the ranger to my reject, Gautam. What's up, people? This week, it's all about chapter 124 of Ranger Reject slash Go Go Loser Ranger, where we get the eponymous name drop and a potential resolution to our nearly year-long three-way battle arc. Uh, we're also going to be discussing chapter two of Maid Skater, a cute little skateboarding maid series, and we will finish off with an emotional drop from Oshinoko. So stick around for all of that manga news and more coming right up. Ranger Reject 124 by Negi Haruba. This is the end of the arc, I think. This is the end of the climax, at least, I think. Um, yeah. This yeah. is the. Now this we is... just have epilogue stuff left. And what a fucking climax. Uh, yeah. It was so good. I mean, it's been, you know, the last five or six chapters, including the sort of flashback for uh, for the, the main bad guy here. Um, but this is, I think, the end. This is sort of like we've resolved, we've trapped the bad guy, the Rangers defeated the big thing in the city, and. With, I'm, I think there's going to be a little bit more falling action, obviously. I think we got kind of a little bit into falling action, but like this is the resolution. And along with the resolution, we get the name drop, which is awesome. Uh, we'll get there soon. Um, but yeah, Gautam, you, uh, you and I both, I know, love Ranger Reject. It's it's honestly one of my favorite it's things to read great. every week. Uh, how'd you feel about, how'd you feel about this chapter? How do you feel about the three-way battle arc? Um, where do you think we go from here? It's everything just excellent um ranger this is their best arc and we said that about the the school mystery arc before this because mm -hmm. it was at the time it, this this topped it somehow um i thought it was great and i i loved this chapter and i loved uh the ending of how they beat beat the big bad here because it's all done through hoodwinks and uh wholesomely enough teamwork yeah it's um, it's classic foot soldier d shit it's not this is and I hate to kind of use this time to poke a jab at Weekly Shonen Jump, but the editors at Weekly Shonen Jump would not let this happen. It would have to be a big climactic battle. Um, and I'm very, very happy that they let Negi resolve this in a way that was not just a big action scene between the main character and the bad guy. It isn't really about opposing ideologies between those two. It isn't some simple thing. Um, it's this complex thing that's resolved, yeah, in kind of a, a hoodwink. It reminds me... Um, the closest kind of comparison to mainstream, I guess I can make. Uh, it reminds me of the end of the first Doctor Strange movie where yeah, yeah, there's kind of a climactic battle, but really the climax is like Dormammu, I've come to bargain over and over, right? It's it's more of a battle of wits. It's more about um, Doctor Strange using his talents that aren't just fighting and casting spells. And it's the same thing here in Ranger Rejects, right? D and Team Green wins, not through being better fighters at all, really, but through outsmarting, through understanding, um, and D, I think, probably came up with this plan. I think we'll see that in that I don't have to eat. Uh, so if he was fully an invader, he also wouldn't have to eat, but he's not fully an invader. We see that he still has his uh, human sort of memories and emotions, and he gets called out for that. So they end up trapping him, and that's how they get him. And I like that. I, I, I love how uh, absolutely kind of brain-oriented the green green squad is because yeah. while d is crafty i wouldn't call him intelligent no he's not uh, smart 
Yeah, he's not smart. But he's he underhanded. Is. Yeah, he's underhanded and sort of sinister and slippery. Like, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's he's like a he's like a good pickpocket. Does that mean that they're a smart yeah. person? No, but they're good at what they do. And I, I I love that the green team is is kind of aligned in that regard, where the mm. green green leader is an info broker on top of everything. So it's like it all just works out where they truly are the band of misfits who kind of got together and uh, saved the day. And that's like a, a common trope used in everything. Um, the band of misfits mm. who come together due to circumstances and fix things. But it this time it actually feels it, it feels earned. I don't know. It, it, yeah, it feels, it feels like great. every single one of them have been established so well and them working together uh, after all of this also feels like earned trust throughout all of this. So yeah, I don't know. Just and really and the good. motivation we've got for um, Usakubo and Green Ranger, it reminds me actually a little bit of um, you haven't read this or haven't read all of it, but it reminds me of Fire Force because in Fire Force, it's the same sort of band of mitzvahs, the 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 eighth brigade and all that. Um but uh, spoilers for like a little bit of the way into Fire Force, not super far. At some point, you eventually realize that the 8th Brigade has essentially been kind of a secret internal investigation squad trying to figure out one of the other uh, seven or eight uh, Fire Force squads has been like is they think is working with the bad guys. And so the 8th squad is actually the, the group that was put together to try to figure out which one as a, and also do their job. And that's kind of Green Team feels like that also right there. Strictly sort of the like secret police of the Rangers, right? They're, they're about investigation and subterfuge and uh, they're not, you know, big flashy fight stuff off like like Red Squad is. The Yellow Squad's kind of the science team. Um, pink is like, I don't know, healer support group. Um, and Blue and Red are both just kind of like uh, out there fighting. So uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I think it's it's great. I, I love the series. I, and I like how they did not keep... Um, the other rangers in the loop at all when the mm. battle ended uh red is just more pissed than anything that someone else dealt with it before they got to it yeah but oh, oh, this and they is a good page you, you think we're real real deal superheroes um i think that's kind of telling of how the rangers see themselves where mm. they they feel like they're grifting the system well, at least I that's that's how i interpret yeah. yeah, and I also think there's, I think you're right, I think there's also a level of, and we haven't, we've gotten a lot of little foreshadowing and nods to it, but it's it's called out in here, I don't think I grabbed the page that mentioned it, but um, it's called out in this chapter that they're, like, they, I don't remember if they call themselves, like, second generation or, like, copies of the original, clearly something happened previously with sort of the original Rangers, which was a TV show only, or maybe not. We don't really know the full details on the quote unquote original Rangers. Um, but we do know that this big bad guy was a fan of them. We do know that Red Ranger, they have like a conversation while they're fighting about like, oh, do you remember like, what's your favorite episode of the original Rangers TV show? They like have that conversation. Um, and so I do mm -hmm. think that I do think that this second gen of Rangers, and especially I think the second gen Red Ranger, um, has a sort of inferiority complex of being of knowing who the originals are. And I, there's, there's a lot of details that are fuzzier that we don't know here. So I'm, I'm wondering once we get a little I'm bit more information. Too. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious about if the original Rangers were like, maybe the original Rangers were the, the people that got turned into weapons. I don't remember what they were called, but the, uh, like the one girl that's left over. I'm so bad at names. Uh, I'm I'm not even sure if the original Rangers existed. 
because they treat the TV show like a TV show. Um, and exactly, like, they could have just been a TV show. We don't know. And like the Death Messiah, he was like, "Oh yeah, the Death Messiah was great at golf. Uh, the Death Messiah was great at this and that." Mm-hmm. It's like, and he was like quoting kind of tropes from the TV show. But in their universe, uh, things aren't that tropey. So I, I don't know if this is just kind of a TV show that existed in a point of time that got turned into reality by someone. You know? Exactly. Like yeah. I mean. Yeah, I'm very curious because the reality they live in now clearly has sort of supernatural, magical elements. You know, the invaders can do wild stuff. The rangers can. The uh, dragon artifacts, the the weapons, whatever they have, are clearly magical. Those were made from people that we know were magical. So, yeah, I'm super curious too. I think it's. I think it could be anyway from the original rangers were real rangers with real magical powers and fighting prowess and something happened to them or it was just a tv show and something you know maybe an invader made it real or one of the dragon keeper abilities or weapons made it real um that's that's a thread that has been um talked about especially in this three-way battle arc but even a little bit before then uh it's something's got me really curious but yeah here's the uh when after the mention of you'd almost think we're real deal superheroes um yeah, you get red here going like, you're right, this time they'll see us to be true heroes. And here's, it's the name drop. He says, Ranger reject. I'll never let anyone say those words again. Or if it's the English version, go, go loser Ranger. I'll never let anyone say those <laughs> words again. Uh, we made a funny tweet I, about that earlier. Yeah, go check that out. Um, I, I got to say, though, I, this was a good name drop, but mm. I'm, I'm actually surprised because in my mind, the Ranger reject had always been beat. Um, well, I mean, that's, and Japanese is really good at this better than English is at having these sort of multi-meaning, uh, multi-layered titles. And I do think that uh, because what we were just talking about, right, this sort of second gen of Rangers clearly feels some sort of inferiority to the first. Um, I think, I think we're going to get more revealed about, uh, specifically, I think red is the one that is sort of like worships the first gen of Rangers or the TV show or whatever you want to say. And so he doesn't feel like he lives up to that. So maybe, so he feels, I think, yeah. And, and, um, there's also, again, there's sort of more to the language here, right? The, the title of Ranger reject in Japanese is like Sentai Daishigaku. And so he's probably saying in this thing, like Sentai Daishigaku, he's probably saying like, like Ranger that doesn't, you know, I can't, it has uh, some translation that's a little bit messier, right? It's like, like ranger that's a that's a mess up or mistake but um so he's probably just saying like like oh like a a ranger who makes mistakes i'll never let anyone say those words right but in in japanese there's all these multi-level sort of create your own noun title type things so you know sentai daishikaku ranger reject i'll never let anyone say those words again um he proves to be real i uh surprisingly have really liked red in these last in the stuff that he's been in just he's more as of a, a character. Homelander parallel than it. Like he's more like Homelander from mm-hmm. the boys TV show than I thought. Where he got he's, a lot more interesting than he was at the start, where he was just sort of like, oh yeah, it's a red Ranger. And he's like a little bit cocky, but he's still obviously like a good guy. And now it's sort of like, well, I, I, I think he might've forgotten the part early on where he just kills his number two in command while they're eating dinner. Just like decapitates him or something. Oh yeah. Uh, I, I, I do remember now that you said that. Yeah. Uh, either way, I think you're right though. Like it's, um, he, he's very Homelander-esque where he's insecure, but he's very powerful. Uh, so he thinks that he has a grip on everything. He's a leader. He's like in control of the Rangers. But in actuality, it seems like Yellow has 
way more information than him and is just kind of letting him do his thing and be the figurehead while yeah he, yellow i he and d- i think does all the sinister work i think what we're gonna learn i don't remember if this was implied or said directly but i think what we're gonna learn is that yellow the current yellow was a member of the original yellow rangers also i feel like that was heavily implied in the stuff between him and the girl where he was talking about creating the uh the dragon weapons uh i don't remember yellow's definitely one of the bigger bads. In yeah, the more OG. He's definitely the sort of brains behind all of the bad things the Rangers are doing. Um, blue, blue and pink seem mostly either unconcerned or unconnected to it. Um, red. Yellow is also an, like a known sociopath. Uh, based yeah, on for sure. The three-way battle arc. So yeah, I think I think red is being red is just a ego-driven, hot-headed. Yeah. Idiot. To to compare it to like. One piece. Uh red is like who was the guy that Luffy fought in Whole Cake? Um Cracker? Cracker Man? No, the Dango guy. Oh, uh I can't remember his name. Um shit. The guy with the big mouth. Yeah, the guy with the big weird mouth. Anyways, the, the the point of that is in One Piece, that fight and that character is set up just the the only thing that character is is a Katakuri, physical yeah. like a physical uh imposition a wall in front of luffy that he has to conquer to move on to me red is that kind of character right red is the sort of physical you're gonna have to fight this guy at some point to you have to physically overcome him because he won't respect any other sort of like uh way now green team and d i I think think could outsmart him in some way again but it's it's gotta be a hoodwink again yeah but Um, he's just saying he's sort of the like he's the fighter he's the sort of physical presence of the rangers at at its highest degree and he's from what we've seen, functionally immortal, maybe? Not sure about that, so. Yeah, I, I I think so, too. I I think he's just immortal, or has many lives, or something like that. Or something with his dragon treasure is giving them yeah. something like that, yeah. Uh, I, lo- I love this beat here. Um, there's a, a panel that uh, we it's didn't include in- here, but... It, oh, it's... it's it, yeah, I got... This, oh. is, this is, like, perfect D. It's like, sorry to say it, dying is not my specialty. And this is oh, this is where they're yeah. they're uh, the big guys collapsed and uh, yellow and was this yellow and blue I guess are talking blue. yeah and he's like let me to suggest a ludicrous interference and it's like somebody did us a favor and defeated Death Messiah's true form and it goes as if right like it's like ha and red is like <laughs> they translated it as like who the fuck and then we get this goofy panel of D this is my favorite page this I think, is great the, even D, with the D title is, drop is, this page is amazing. D is such an asshole about winning. You know, I love it. I love how yeah. how how much of a sore winner he is. Um, I, he's such a lovable shithead. This is a this is the best panel. I mean, the best yeah. page. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, effectively, the plot was they trapped the Death Invader inside um this room that neither D or him could get out of. And it yeah, is I think gre- that did Green create that- it or did Usakubo? It was it was Green Usakubo or what's her name it. with the teeth? I think I don't actually know. I think Usakubo made it, maybe, that. but yeah, yeah. Uh, with but the effectively, effectively, they in order to take two doses of the Invader Serum to turn into the Giga Death Messiah, he he wouldn't be human anymore. He would just be fully mm-hmm. Invader. You're supposed uh, but, to, I think. It, it it acts more like in order to fully become Invader, you have to consciously fully give up your humanity, which is what the other two people we saw so. do earlier in the battle. So he didn't take the full dosage. Oh, actually. is that what was implied? Okay, yeah. I missed that then. I thought that he took it and just was like, but I'm not going to give up my full humanity to because I don't want to forget uh, Eula Merida or whatever. 
That, yeah, that's why he didn't take the full dosage is because he didn't want to forget his uh his waifu and yeah. he wanted to keep his motivations as that he had as a human even while in invader form. And for that reason, he still has the weaknesses humans do of having to need to eat. So they trapped him in this room and the plan is they're just going to starve him to death. Mm-hmm. They're just going to be in there till he starves and dies. And uh, this is the final page where him and D are talking. It's great. Yeah, I mean, um, I also just love like this again. Just shows the sort of kind of <clears throat> nuance that's hidden in this series with uh, with Izukubo up there on the top left of like the, the long great. night comes to an end, a single tear overflows. But just who does the tear belong to? Right, this could be her crying for her father who's going to die. This could be uh, Yula Merida who is inside of her crying for the man that she loved. Um, so there's it, it dual meaning here, uh, a little bit more depth than you're used to typically seeing. Um, and Absolutely. then we're back, we're back maybe next chapter to, what's this guy's name? Uh, it doesn't matter. The stream, yeah. the live stream streamer invader. Uh, well, and the, uh, Pink's brother, right? Who they, and Sakurama. Is Sakurama. I was like, I know it starts with an S. Yeah. Sakurama, who is, who Pink team thinks killed Pink Leader. Although Pink Leader, uh, or Pink Ranger saved him using her healing powers and then died. So then died. It'll be interesting to see the fallout of that. I think that it's funny that this is called three way battle because I kind of feel like when we get to the eight way battle, what was that? You kind of feel like it was an eight way battle. Well, no, I was going to, what I was going to say is that I feel like the series is setting us up for another three way battle later on. Um, I think that later three way battle will be sort of D and his posse. And then, the Rangers again, and then the third one will probably be Sakurama and the executives. Um, or some, maybe just Sakurama. I think it's going to be Sakurama and the executives, right? I think he's going to team up with them. Yeah, but uh, I, I think so. Um, he, he's definitely going to go down the dark route. He's definitely going to be the dark route, right? And he's set up sort of as the uh, kind of opposite character path to D, right? D starts out, doesn't care about anyone, doesn't like humans, has clearly been growing in, I care about my friends, I care about Green Team, I care about doing what it takes to protect them being a little bit more selfless and he starts fully selfish. Um, Sakurama's had the opposite thing where he starts as this fully selfless, you know, proper, amazing, friendly, nice human guy. And he's already pretty far gone and he lost his sister. So I think he's going to end up being uh, kind of a massive, massively selfish bad guy. So I'm curious to see where that goes. They are very good parallels. Um, mm-hmm. They they both started out incredibly determined, still are, yeah. but they both started out incredibly naive to the ways of the world. Yeah, um, I agree with that. And it's just, they're growing in completely different ways. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's literally... the reasons we mentioned. Well, and, and this, I would say that this arc is probably sort of the sort of halfway point, right? Where if you say that one of them started, how do I do this with my hands? One of them started sort of up high on the sort of, I'm compassionate, and one of them is down low on the compassion, you know, and then they're both kind of, D is rising and Sakurama is falling. And this is the middle point where they're both sort of like on their way somewhere else to sort of more or less compassionate, more or less uh, sympathetic, that kind of thing. So this to me is kind of the middle point, right? Where D is now sort of fully committed to green team, uh, fully committed to more than just killing all humans and Rangers. uh, And Sakurama now has sort of lost his one main connection to humanity. He's not just all about good things. He's, he's kind of been judged and outcast fugitive style. So yeah, what yeah. what an arc. I mean, like this three day battle arc has been insane. It's been almost a full year of publishing. I believe this started in March of last year and it's middle of January now. So it was good shit. I and yeah. also I think this is the nicest outwardly D has been to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um this panel right here. 
Yeah, uh, he's he's being very sort of like. <laughs> I, I think he doesn't. I, if I were him, I think he's he's selfishly saying like, I would rather not spend the next you know three weeks in here getting destroyed by a guy who's stronger than me. So yeah, if he just guy wants to talk, we he's can. He's being talk. snarky. Yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah. sure, man, you want to chat? Let's chat. Don't don't kill me, please. Even though don't I'll come kill me back. over and over and over. Yeah, don't yeah. please don't repeatedly kill me. Oh, uh, uh, that's great. Cool. Anything else on Ranger Reject? That's what a what a great chapter. No, it was simply the best thing uh, this week for sure. Um, yeah. If you if you guys haven't been reading it and are just listening to us talk about it, I think uh, this is this is one you should throw on your list. And at the very least, you could you can brag to your friends about how you started reading it before the anime showed up. Yeah, exactly. This is yeah me in every Discord I'm in th- three years ago telling people like Ranger Reject is great, Dan to Dan is great, uh, Delicious and Dungeon is great. And then one of those bastards uh, comes out and recommends Ranger Reject. It's like, hey, have you guys ever heard of Ranger Reject? It's pretty good. It's like, you bastard. I've been saying I, this for years. I literally, what was it? I, I think it was Oshinoko people were talking about over the summer. And I like, <laughs> I scrolled back in the Discord to like, uh, legitimately like two or three years ago where I was like, holy shit, Oshinoko is great. And like, quote, we've treated my, or quote, quoted myself or whatever. And was like, I fuck it. Like, I told you guys, like, here it is three years ago. Like, <laughs> Oshinoko is amazing. And just because the anime is coming out. But yeah, I think like you, it's possible to be a manga reader who doesn't gloat about the source material. But there is that side in all manga readers mm-hmm. and all humans. Actually, it's a human condition. I think so. so the hipster, uh, the hipster yeah, the, mental gene is present in everyone, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Even well, I mean, this is, it's even the same thing of like sport people who stick with sports teams for a long time. Right. They're like, oh, I've been a fan of, you know the Chicago bears, even when they couldn't win anything. And then they finally won. It's ha ha. I told you I've been with them the whole time. I was there, you know, for years. I told you guys years ago that they could win. And it's like, yeah, yeah. exactly. I I mean, it's a universal experience for sure. It it is. Oh man. That's so funny. Cool. Well, Um, uh, great. That's uh, a Ranger reject. Let's talk about something else that is, that was very cute. and was a, yeah, a, a welcome return. So this is a series called Maid Skater by an author called Suzushiro. Um, we got a one shot of this like three years ago, two years ago, maybe. And then a chapter one got translated around the same time, maybe a year and a half ago. Um, but we got did chapter two. One, Bruce? I did read this one. Yeah. I mean, because I, I saw it pop up and I think it was top of Reddit. And I was like, oh, I like remember Maid Skater because it was such a unique idea and it was such a good chapter one that I hadn't forgotten about it the past two years. So chapter two came out and I was like, yes, I'm immediately back on board. What'd you think? Uh, I like it a lot. This, um, it's, it's cute. It's fun. It's funny. It's, it's entertaining. It's lighthearted. It has the same kind of niche interest insertion as something like K-On, which is one of my favorite series or Eurocamp where in K-On it's, it's, uh, music performance in your camp. It's camping in uh, like how heavy are the dumbbells that you lift. It's weightlifting. There are these sort of like niche special, special interest things where someone knows a lot about some other hobby and they're like, well, I'm going to write a manga. And since I know a lot about this hobby, I'll put it in there as sort of the, um, the curious attractor is as storytellers like to call it. And so this one is, it's a made series, but it's about skateboarding and like, it's great. It has really good art, has really good action art and paneling. I thought, uh, I think the characters are cute and fun. This chapter was nice. Um, I'm excited to see if we get more chapters, hopefully, but yeah, what'd you think? I, I don't know how to place it, but this art is just really charming. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, why I feel like it's different than standard, 
standard fare. Maybe it's more cartoony. Maybe that's why I like it more. It's really good uh, facial expressions is what I'm noticing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think is, which makes characters really expressive and easily detachable. And a lot of, um, especially comedy and sort of lighthearted gag manga, just, they just kind of have like two or three facial expressions. They have like the sort of open mouth gas, but here we have a lot of sort of like nuance in the facial expressions here. So I, I, and, and diversity in a lot of them. So I really like that. Yeah. And in these like two pages, she's got like five different expressions. Grief, right? Exactly. Yeah. She's going through <laughs> a bunch of different emotions here and we see all of them on her face. So <laughs> that's, so, that's so good. Yeah, you're right. Oh man. Uh, I enjoyed it too. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think, uh, I think this is just a uniquely charming series. The combo between skateboarding and maids makes no sense at all. And I love it for that. And the manga kind of addresses this in chapter two, where, uh, her friend, the, uh, the, her friend takes her to a skateboarding shop because she lost, her, she lost her skateboard in chapter one. And, uh, her friend's like, what if a maid and skateboards go hand in hand? You couldn't be a good maid without without having a, a proper skateboard. So we have to go buy you a new, like, uh, the author is basically saying, hey, in in my story, maids and skateboarding are are just a thing that go together. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, don't, it's like, this is, this is how it is in this universe. Don't, well, don't ask about this combo. And it's such an easy, like, like, Starting a story or before you've read something, um, authors talk about this thing called like the, the strange attractor or, you know, being able to pitch your story in an elevator in literally the, it's, it's this crossed with this or this meets this. And some of the greatest ideas in manga of the last couple of years are liter literally where the it's, it's this crossed with this, like out there in the open and this like skate skate was this called made skate skate made uh made skater it's literally spy x family it's a it's a spy who has to start a family it's this is maids who have to skate it is uh kindergarten teachers who go to war like all these just sort of like strange attractor of like can you imagine kindergarten teachers who have to fight to protect can you imagine a maid who the culture of being a maid also involves skateboarding like it's a strange yeah. attractor and you go huh that's a that's a story i haven't seen and I, and never before have I seen skateboards and maids together. So that's is truly original. Um, it's an amazing strange attractor and it's well executed. It isn't just, it isn't just cutesy nothing. Um, I especially wanted to call out, uh, here on this page on the, on the second page on the left here, the sort of, I, I want to, it's not still life, but it's very sort of, um, no dialogue, oh, just a sort of posing, you like get a almost, feel for the shop. Yeah, right? almost almost like almost like a model, like uh like like drawing an art model in class or something, right? Where the model's in front of you posing and you're drawing them. It's kind of just that. And and they do this for like a lot of pages. And I really like these pages. Cause there's a lot of story being told in the way the maid sort of like takes her shoes, takes her maid shoes off and puts her skate shoes on, ties her skate shoes, you know her showing them off here in this page, I think has a lot of personality to it. Um, You're excitement right. and stuff. There's a lot of good storytelling and, visually here. And, and nice paneling on top of that. It's mm -hmm. like, it, they have, it has a lot yeah. that works uh, in terms of like, I guess, execution and um, good paneling is a good call out. Yeah. I mean the, the staging of this page in particular is, is, is yeah. really good. So. Uh, and here, here's another part where the author just says, Hey, just go with it. Uh, and I love that. It, because uh, they had the 
skate shop owner has a full skate ramp. Um, it's called a ramp. A vert, a vert ramp, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's just on the it, second it, floor above the shop, which is like... And it's like gigantic. No, um, like, but yes. <laughs> and, and they're like, who could have imagined that there'd be a vert, vert ramp in such a shop? It's like, yeah. the, the author's just like, hey, just go with it. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm, I am I love that. It's a, it's a very... It's it's a very clear. Hey, don't 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 worry about it. Just have yeah. It's like if you can accept kind of that a, maids require skateboarding, you can accept that there is a half pipe on the second floor of this skate shop. Um, yeah, it works. We get a, 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 some good character stuff towards the end of how the uh, the older, more senior maid talks about how you know bright and uplifting and uh, and also kind of troublesome the main character maid is, but it says yeah, Iris Chan's the one who's been singing your praises. Um, so yeah, good stuff. Yeah, here's here's more more of these storytelling panels. Like I said, is this uh, is Iris putting together the skateboard? And like this is where this is where you really see That's that this so, author. So tight. Yeah, yeah. you really really see this author is like they aren't just using skateboards as like a thing. Like this author knows about building skateboards because it's like applying the I think it's called like like grip tape or something to the or yeah whatever the gripping stuff is on top of the skateboard. <laughs> like cutting it with the razor blade. Um, I think yeah, it's like tightening the trucks, putting on the wheels and they like talk, there's a page, I think at the very end, I don't remember if I included it or not about like the trucks and the wheels being this and this and you tighten them and it does that. And it's, you know, it's like just like all the best of these, right? Like the Euro camp guys, like clearly that guy knows about camping solo or camping in like winter or whatever. Uh, the author of that, clearly the, the dumbbell guy maybe isn't the perfect, uh, not the perfect weightlifter. It's everything right. But like, clearly they know about bodybuilding and all this stuff. So, um, yeah. I really, really, really like when you can tell that a, uh, that an author has other interests other than just manga and whatever fantasy they've created, uh, that they can really put into it. Another good example shout, is like, shout, um, shouts out to witch watch and the author's obsession with denim jeans oh really that's hilarious yeah um yeah just yeah. random chapters about it i love it yeah i mean i was gonna call out something like silver spoon where the series is about sort of uh agriculture and farming in Hokkaido, but the author clearly knows a bunch about cooking because there's a lot of good and accurate sort of cooking things that happen uh in in silver spoon you can really see that kind of passion coming through so yeah i absolutely love these pages um i think we got the color spread next yeah wait go back one yep. um I, I there's a small gag here. I love how um, her friend does all the work, mm-hmm. and you see you see her do all the work and, and through these panels. And uh, she's holding up the skateboard and and she's feeling smug about it. Yeah, even though like, she smug. did nothing. <laughs> like yeah. my own skateboard. Yeah, yeah. It's she's, very she's like I did this. <laughs> yeah, the uh, good old good old dumb main character, which we love so much. Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and then we get this get this pretty good, pretty interesting color page. I don't know if it's I don't know if the coloring is necessarily anything special for me, but uh, still pretty good. Yeah. And then a good gag at the end where she uh, she says gag. that she likes the way that the skateboard looks so much that she put it up in a display case, and it's like. It doesn't look like you'll be skateboarding much. Like, oh, you're yeah. right. So, yeah, this is a wonderful, cute little series. I really hope we get more chapters of it. Um, did I think chapter one came out before we even started the podcast? So, you know, easily. Really? I think it was oh. like two years ago. Yeah. Let me let me check that. Um, because yeah, I made skater. Let's see when chapter one came out. Maybe it wasn't that long ago. Oh no, it says eight months ago. It feels like longer. So it felt I, like so yeah. long ago. Did we? Oh, we might have talked about chapter one. Um, I think we might have. Yeah. I wonder if the one shot is here. 
it's hard to keep what we talked yeah, about. Yeah, okay. The one shot. Okay, the one shot was three years ago. So that might be what I'm remembering. Um, mm. Is that one shot that came out? Because I think chapter one and the one shot were similar, if not the same stories, or very close to it. So where she loses, she like falls in the river or whatever. But, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, anything else on Maid Skater chapter two? Nope. Cool. Let's uh, let's go on. Let's to move Oshinoko. on to big drama. Um, big big drama. Yeah, Oshinoko is a big chapter. Gautam, you recently just caught up to this the last ten or so chapters. Why don't you why don't you catch us up on what exactly is happening with the production of the movie? Yeah. So l- let me. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you and people listening have been keeping up. Uh, but I just caught up, so I'll give a quick recap. Um, basically, uh, from last we talked about it, Ruby found out that aqua is uh was her doctor when they were in the past life from there uh you get a lot of story about their manager and the husband of the manager who dumped her with all the work and um they they kind he's he's rehired on to do his duties they're 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 not back together or anything but he's uh lending a hand so she's not as overwhelmed anymore uh, and she's trying to do her best for Aqua and Ruby. And he mentions something. He mentions that he's worried about the the kid. And she the the lady thinks she's talking about Ruby. Because Ruby Ruby had been acting pretty erratically, um mm-hmm. light Yagami-esque at that point. And uh the guy states that no, he's talking about Aqua, who's about to break. Mm-hmm. Uh and that hasn't been him breaking hasn't been delivered upon yet. So that's something we'll see. Uh, from there, Aqua talks to the, the little girl who is like a ghost or a God or something like that. No, but um, she's, she's real. Cause she gets cast in the movie, right? <laughs> Doesn't she? Uh, yeah, she does. Yeah, yeah exactly. And he, he but she he is some commit, kind of, yeah, he taunts her enough to get, to get her to act as the child role in the movie. Uh, which is a, a funny gag because she's kind of this imposing godly presence that only appears during serious moments in the story. Yeah, who's essentially uh, responsible for the whole rebirth aspect of the chapter one. And then they're sort pr- of... Presumably, right? Re- yeah. Yeah, they're like recasting her. She's playing uh, the twins, right? Or some other kid. I don't remember who she actually got cast as. I don't think they mentioned that yet. I'm okay. not sure. Yeah. I think she's one of the twins, though. That's I what I was thinking, be... yeah. but um, From there, we uh, they all get working on the movie. Ruby is not a good actress, but she looks like I, and she is the perfect fit for the role because it's her mom. And um, I think a few interesting things to call out here. Uh, I think Kana is just a fucking hero. Uh, mm-hmm. She, uh, but we'll talk about her actually last. I was gonna say, uh, she definitely about- gets, she gets called out because I grabbed some pages from that. So yeah, because she has way more relevance in the, in the, latest chapter so we'll talk about her last so let's talk about akane i think she's actually a good fit for aqua uh better than anyone else in the series even though i as a, I think as a partner is, slash dating thing you're saying yeah 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 because i think even though i like kana better um i think akane is just a, a better fit because uh men said something it's like it's i just heard about their parents i'm surprised that they bounce back. I'm, I'm happy that they bounce back. And Akane says, they have not. They are very much dealing with their trauma uh, mm-hmm. to this very day. And I think that just shows, one, that they're both very damaged still. And two, that Akane understands that, uh, understands their trauma to a level 
no other character in the series does. Um, yeah, she's very much. Um, I don't know if she's necessarily broken in the same way, but she definitely feels the most like. Oh, she's I, insane. Like I, I, I get how yeah. broken you are because I am also fucked up. Like you are. Yeah. I the twins are. I see you being fucked up over there. Akane also fucked up. Yeah. I I don't know how to describe. Akane, Akane is not aside from, as fucked up, which is why she's Akane like is yeah. the most unhinged, insane, well-adjusted person I, I've exactly I've yeah read. She's, she's so been, well she, adjusted and mature, but uh, completely unhinged. She's completely been through some stuff, yeah. which she's been through some stuff and it has affected her, but she has not come out the other end as a aqua, like maniacal death note type character. She's much, she's much better. That's because aqua helped her and no one was there to help aqua. Mm-hmm. Ruby. So they, they all, they both feel Ruby doesn't aqua feels like he's on an Island. He has to figure out everything on his own. And Akane knows from firsthand experience that, you can't live your life that way and you can't succeed that way. Like you can't fix everything on your own. You have to lean on people Um, because she learned that firsthand and she's trying to teach Aqua the same lesson. Um, Well, and I think that's a big, I mean, bring it, bringing that point around to the current chapter, this chapter 137. I think that's kind of a, a big part of Aqua and Ruby and Ai's, kind of big arc is that they're they're uh, and ruby i wouldn't necessarily say is a bad actress i think what we're learning is that she doesn't fully understand her mother but is beginning to and is is getting there slowly but i think one of the big things that we learn in this chapter is that um i don't remember if it's the director or one of the other guys i think it's the director who says something about like oh she's almost got it but like i's loneliness was was way more than that um yeah and so I think yeah. that's, I, I think your, um, your point about needing other people around you to support you, I think it's one of those things where it's the core theme, right? Like definitely it's, because um, I sort of loses herself and her life because she not necessarily, she doesn't trust anyone around. Well, yeah, and it isn't it isn't all her responsibility of her alienating people around her, but it is her being so she does push people away and kind of puts herself up on this pedestal as this sort of magical kind of idol God almost um, that other people feel like they can't approach her. They can't support her. They can't help her. And so she, you know, she separates herself and, and um, I think it's the opposite actually uh, opposite the same. You're right. But for, I think the the message is actually the opposite, meaning that other people put her up on this pedestal as this it's definitely goddess. it's definitely both and, uh, yeah and she has to meet societal expectations because there's no one no adult in her life at that point yeah she got taken away from her mother as you saw in the previous chapter uh there's no adult in her life that isn't monetizing her talent mm-hmm. so well and i think every, yeah yeah every problem she has every flaw every human trait has to be buried Mm-hmm. Uh, under layers hidden behind those eyes is, is, is yeah. what we're seeing and i think i think you're absolutely right i think it's i think for me it's more of a chicken or the egg thing where and we might learn which came first eventually i'm not sure i, I think it is I, probably that I, the, I think they stated it in this chapter though that the outside Ruby pressure came first that. yeah yeah and then Ruby. and then she pushes people away to rise to the occasion to be that uh, that on that pedestal that other people put her on. She says, okay, if I have to be on this pedestal, 100%. I have to push all of you down to be here. Yeah, I think I think you're I'm, right about that for sure. I'm positive it's that, mainly 
uh, for two things. One, it's Ruby lashing out and saying, you made my mother this way mm -hmm. after she understands her mother. Um, and two is when they talked to Ai's mother, uh, the back, her backstory was that like the person she, the mom was dating at the time, uh, had eyes for her daughter and she was like an eight year old or nine year old. Right. Uh, so yeah, at all points, uh, she, she has been perceived as this perfect, beautiful person and it's not allowed to process or have flaws, you know, uh, it's it's a fucked up existence um and it's represented so well it's so good uh, here yeah and and i love like this these panels again with sort of this just narration over it here where it's like talking about i right like that's why she lied a, a big lie that concealed her weak self completely she always smiled and she never showed any negative emotions she was beautiful she was beautiful neat and pure she loved everyone deeply regardless of their character and would never betray them she was like a pet that everyone loved she was turned into an idol by beings that seemed to contain the ugly desires of such people and we get this awesome panel mango yokiari slays it again um of ruby Trauma as i yeah that, that's what these are the, these are like sharingans from naruto but i'm i i realize i think at this chapter they're just trauma sharingans uh it is uh, there's something yeah I, I it's kind of been explained but i don't know if you can fully say this is 100 what it is it is clearly a sort of um the eyes kind of to me represent a kind of like an outward shield to protect against inner trauma or like because aqua has these eyes that get more intense when he is like containing his trauma or acting kind of lashing out against his yeah. mother's death or trying to sort of, you know, kill his dad or, or, you know, whatever kind of path he's going down. And we see it here. Now, these are kind of the brightest we've seen Ruby's eyes when she, um, understands I more and kind of is, is lying more in her performance and giving a better performance. So there's definitely some connection there. I, yeah. Uh, and it, this is an exceptional series and it's got a lot of shit going on in it. So yeah, usually we only see it with Aqua until we got like mm -hmm. Ruby. Only in the past couple of chapters, we've gotten it with Ruby. Yeah. But yeah, this yeah. is, this is that little panel part that I was talking about where he says, uh, talking about Ruby here, portraying I, like she still has a long way to go. The loneliness that I was hiding in her heart was probably more. Um, so yeah. again, you know, Ruby not really understanding and coming to understand I as her mother. Um, and which, which makes me curious if they, um, Aqua did not appear at all. I don't think in this chapter. Um, and I saw some comments about it and I was curious too, of if does Aqua understand this loneliness, he has definitely sort of separated himself from others in a similar way to I, but not exactly the same, right? He, instead of, um, I kind of. I I being put so. up on a pedestal and then saying, I am on this pedestal. I have to push everyone else down. I have to be this perfect person that they think I am. Um, Aqua has kind of dug himself a grave and said, no, everyone else has to stay up here and be clean and be proper. Um, he tries to, he tries to not let Akane help him because he knows he's going to get his hands dirty. He does eventually. Um, but he's trying to keep Ruby separate. He doesn't want to dirty anyone else's name. He said, I'm going to set myself apart and separate and my shield against this trauma is going to be pushing people away because I'm going to do the dirty work. So it's this kind of a different, but similar pushing people away as, as I had. So I wonder about, you're it. right. They're, they're both Ruby and Aqua are both very lonely people and they were lonely before they died and mm -hmm. reincarnated. Yeah. For uh, sure. And that's why they were kindred spirits. Um, even back then they, they both understood loneliness. Um, well, Aqua did when he was the doctor and uh, Ruby was a little girl. She, she couldn't understand. 
but she understands now. Mm-hmm. And he, definitely was with her flashback and stuff. She was definitely lonely from her mom abandoning her essentially in that oh, hospital in the sure. middle of nowhere where, yeah. uh, where Aqua was. So either way though, um, I, I think that Aqua is, I I've been saying it and I'll say it again. Aqua is not the manipulator. He thinks he is mm-hmm. because it, it was like when, when men asked him, it's like, so are you just, he's like, I'm just using all this. Right. He's like, are you using me too? And he's like, yeah. And you've been doing a great job. Yeah. And she's like, I'm glad. This and, is, and I, yeah. I don't think a manipulator who is using people would tell someone they're using them. Yeah. Well, and it's also he, the he's sort doing of... this to, dis- to put an arm's distance between her and him. So if she get if he does something terrible, he doesn't want her to get impacted. It's just a kindness. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's sort of the that is, I think, the great lie of I and Ruby and Aqua is that they they think. Um, especially I think for Aqua and I is that they, they think, Oh, I, I have to be this thing. And by pushing people around, I'm doing what's best for them and what's best for me. And Aqua in the same sense thinks by, by pushing people away and being this manipulator or thinking I'm being this manipulator, I'm doing what's best. Um, but he's, but they're not, but then there is also, and I think this is maybe what's different between I and her children. Um, I think I, maybe didn't have that sort of hidden kindness. Maybe you could say that's maybe not the quite the right word, but um, I, I think separated herself fully. And I think really maybe truly believed. And as we can see in the flashback and talking with the older um, Bikomachi members clearly hurt her fellow idol members. Right. And they were insanely jealous of her and she sort of didn't respond to them in a way that was kind or, she didn't help them in the right way, right? She didn't try to bring the team together. I think she Ruby, didn't know how. Yeah, she didn't. I, I, yeah, I think and she I think, was in the in a way worse position than Aqua or Ruby had ever been because right. Aqua and Ruby have people that care about them, completely surrounding them. Yeah, uh, and they, I think yeah, they are just they are just traumatized. Uh, I, on the other hand, was traumatized, and no one around her was willing was there for her genuinely. Yeah, you know, it's, and uh, I, yeah, and yeah. I think that that also plays all the way back into how much she loved and doted on her kids because they were hers and she sort of had somebody for a time, even if they were children. Um, but I definitely yeah. think that that's the big, I think the big sort of um, character, character progression, maybe not the right words again, but is we're seeing that I sort of fell victim to tragedy by pushing people away and not having support. And I think, I think by the end of the series, we're going to see Aqua and Ruby not falling into the same fate even though they sort of get close or might seem to be going that way, because I think you're right. I think that they have a support system. I think that they have true kindness. I think that they are not as isolated and sort of um, pressured into being this, uh, this lonely person that I was. And I think that that'll be kind of the, the, the true redemption for I and the family is that she had, she had and raised children who were able to make those connections when she herself couldn't make them. And I think that will be the real, the real sort of redemption for I by the end. And uh, let's circle back around to one, one, one last thing about this is that this is a very positive chapter Um, because even through all the drama, it was, it was pretty positive because the chapter before this uh, Ruby was very frustrated and crying because she couldn't get, she couldn't get the acting. Mm-hmm. And Kana was there for her, hearing her out, and she was very honest with Ruby that she was jealous of her, and that Ruby is Bikomachi. That's her vehicle for success, and everyone was just a a side player. They forever would be in her shadow, 
And for that reason, she's jealous and envious, just like how people were of Aya. Mm-hmm. And uh, she split off her friendship with Ruby, stating that resentment. Uh, but she she did it because Ruby because, needed to know how it feels right, to because that, have to she, smile through that kind of feeling, right? Right, because she talked to the I, she talked to the past B Komachi member who said that like this is how I really felt about I at the time. And Kana was like, yeah. okay, I have Ruby has to know how that feels. I have to do this. Um, and she felt that way too. Like, so yeah. it was like honesty, but she was honest about it, but only because Ruby needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. So it's like such a, she's a selfless Asakwa in, in that kind of way. But it, it circles back around to where uh, Ruby sold the performance perfectly. And afterwards her and Kana are talking and Ruby said, Hey, I'm different than my I'm not going to smile through it. Uh, you're stuck with me, you know? Yeah. Uh, we're friends. You're stuck with me. I'm going to keep annoying you. Yeah, well, and, and I think that that's the... And I think, like, I was talking about with the sort of, like, how I and Ruby and Aqua are different. Um, are very different, yeah. Yeah, and I, and and you're right that this is a more positive uh, positive direction and a, a good turn for Ruby, especially as she says, yeah, I have the page right here where it's like, I've been, I've been trying hard to be an idol like mama, but it's wrong. Mama and I are different. I want to always get along with my friends and I want to be honest with my own feelings as opposed to wanting to appease others the way that I did and put herself on that up on that pedestal. Cause that's what other people wanted her to be right. And not necessarily what she wanted. She wanted connection, which is again, she wanted connection. That's why she had the kids at 16 or 15 or whatever it was um because she wanted someone to connect with and the only way she felt like she could do that was probably to like let herself get manipulated into getting pregnant and then having kids i it's a very weird and twisted thing but i think that's the character that i is yeah and and she probably wants better better futures for her kids and people who would love her despite the thing you know like Mm -hmm. uh the real her so I, I don't know. All, all of this is just, it's just so good. Um, yeah, I think it's my, so, my it's so incredible. Up, yeah, my thoughts catching up on this is I was a little bit, like, unmotivated to read Oshinoko. Um, and I think that feeling is because while I do really like the mystery elements of this series, um, I like more when they're used sparingly because I, I think that... Akka does such a great fucking job at getting down to the core nature of humanity. Yeah. And and and, also, and Mango does too. Not to I I believe that Mango Yokoyar, the artist, is also heavily involved in the writing. Write? Well, yeah, uh-huh. because she wrote um and and because a lot of the stuff that's happening here really, really reminds me of Scum's Wish, which is the thing mm. that, that Mango Yokoyari wrote. It is a lot about sort of like the trauma of these lonely people and how they connect scum's wishes kind of very briefly about like high school flings and people trying to escape loneliness through, through sex only and not through a real connection. And does it work? Does it help? Maybe yes, maybe no. Um, and it's a lot of kind of these same themes about, about loneliness and isolation and connection and how do you connect with people? Um, it's a lot more based in sort of, um, uh, but kind of maybe not necessarily a younger demographic, but it's it's a lot more based in kind of like sex and how does that play into connection and is it enough and can it be enough yeah. and is if one person gets something the other person does it and this is much more about uh, performance and coworkers and uh, and a, a lot more deeper kind of exploratory stuff. But I can definitely definitely feel Mango's hand uh, in this writing also. So uh, this feels like a true team effort between Mango and Aka because I can see their finger both their fingerprints all over the story. 
It, I, I completely agree. And it really, it really does just, uh, I think, speak, speak to the human experience like mm-hmm. I don't think most series do. Uh, I, I will say I was a little, I was a little confused reading reading through the series like over over the years as to what Ruby's kind of role in it yeah. was. In we talked narrative. about I think even last year on the podcast at some point doing Oshinoko where we're like it's very Aqua focused. Aqua's doing all this stuff. I don't know what Ruby's doing. Um, she was just there for a lot of it. Yeah, right? I mean, I even think background. so. Like our first uh, our first really big uh, blow up on the podcast channel was last year, which is why like what if incest was good. Uh, you can go check that one out. That was last June or July. Um, and that was sort of talking about the, one of the chap, one of the chapters that you mentioned where, uh, Ruby figures out that Aqua was the doctor that she was, that she had a crush on was in love with. Um, and even at that point we were kind of like, what is Ruby doing? We don't really get it. What's her point in this? Um, and I think that, uh, she's you part can, of the series and I, yes. I, she's the only person, she's the only character that acts like a kid because in the, this industry, People have to mature too fast in order yeah. to not get hurt or manipulated. And Ruby is still just a kid. And I think that's why I, I that's why she's like the heart of the series. She yeah. kind of mentions multiple times that she like in her own head that she's too honest. And that's what's sweet about her. Right. Mm-hmm. And this is one of those situations where she is incredibly upfront and honest in an industry where people would probably use double talk or uh, speak around feelings like this yeah and or, I think, or not mention it you know or lie yeah uh, I, I think you're hitting exactly on the qualities that uh that set her apart and i think that the big i think that her big role even in the the sort of grander scale of things is she she is more who i wanted to be right and sort agreed. of and that is kind of her her purpose is to be the person that her mother wanted to be and i think that she will what make it through crazy, this Bruce. Uh, that just connect connected synapses in my brain. I didn't yeah. even put I'm, that uh, this you, stuff is right. connecting for me having this conversation because there's a lot going yeah. on in Oshinoko to connect. So yeah, that you're you're 100 right. This is who I actually wanted to be. That, yeah, she Ruby wanted to have friends. Now. She wanted to not give up. She wanted to be close to people, and she couldn't because of all of those reasons we discussed. And um and again in in all these pages right here, right? Like Mama and I are different. I want to always get along with my friends. I'll be a star in my own way. I won't be like Mama. I'm not going to give up on my friends. Um, whereas we see, you know, a couple of chapters ago, her mom, you know, being mean to her Bikamachi members, her fellow idol members, because that's what she thought she had to do. She's and then uh, Ruby is specifically saying like, I, that's who my mom was. And I don't want to be that. And I think part of it, maybe not all of it, but I think part of it is in her exploration of her mother, she will realize that her mother wanted to be this person, but couldn't be. I think she realizes maybe a little bit of that in this chapter, but maybe not fully. I'm wondering how long it takes to get there, premiere the movie next chapter, who knows? But um, I think that's the real key is that I think Aqua will, I think Aqua has to be sort of, um, I see, you know, you're right. Now Actually, I'm kind of confused right, about what what Aqua's how Aqua's stuff is going to end. I always thought it would be uh, he tries to go too far, but then realizes you know, but Ruby comes and saves him or something. But now I well, something like you know, that. This, probably is, this still, is all, this is actually kind of all stated. Um, so the director said that Ruby has a long way to go in understanding her mother. So, but she understands this act, the loneliness aspect of her, to mm-hmm. a degree now. So I think she'll understand more as she continues the movie. In regards to Aqua, it, Ruby's in a good place. Like, technic- as far as these characters are concerned, she's, like, 
in a pretty she's made a decision to mentally, be a good to be yeah. who she wants to be to to fulfill her own kind of self-fulfillment needs and to not try to do what other people want her to do and yeah that's that's of all the characters in the series she's like easily the most kind of self-fulfilled already just in this chapter right like everyone else has I, I other think, people pressures her, her going. And, yeah i completely i think her and kana are probably the most well-adjusted uh kind of ma- mainly because she's being honest and tackling things head mm-hmm. on and ruby for the same reasons actually um aqua is spiraling out of control as always i still it's think so yeah, I, yeah and uh the direct not the director the the husband who left the old manager yeah he, he's he stated that aqua was the one who's about to break um i think oh, that's yeah. very i don't think i read that yeah. page but yeah i do remember that from from this yeah that's very telling right i mm-hmm. I, I think it's uh he's He's been on a spiral. He's continuing to spiral. And um, I think by the end of the series, he is going to be in such a spot of self-isolation that everyone will need to kind of be there for him. And yeah. that's how it's going to go, I think. He'll, all the people who he helped out will come and sort of help him yeah. out when he needs it. And Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a really good guess. I definitely do think that um, you... I don't think you can resolve the story where it is now with one of the kids not being a part of sort of Ai's redemption, right? Because I, she's a small... I think Ruby, yeah. I think both well, of them will be. Yes, well, exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying, right? Is that I, I don't think that you can have Ruby be sort of like, Ruby is who her mother wanted to be and has friends, but then Aqua goes bad, breaks bad, and dies in the end. Like, I don't think you can... I think both the twins are, I think both the twins are so connected to parts of who I was and her sort of I, character and the kind I of, called this a while ago. It's, it has to be a happy ending. It just has to or be. Or like at very least bittersweet in the sense that they understand their mother, but then they, they're kind of, they don't agree with that. They know that she hurt people or accept that she hurt people or something like that. Right. Like I, that might be the kind of bittersweet, I, but I think it's hurt yeah. people. I, I'll, she didn't hurt people in, in my opinion. I, I mean, the, um, the, the B Kamachi members that she was with, she clearly, did no, hurt them I mean, in like, ways. I mean, like, or, or, I feel like or a, alienated a, them, I guess, maybe. A, alienated word, them, for sure. Yeah, but yeah. it's like, her friend freaked out at her because she was jealous. And it came from self-image issues, of course. Yeah. Uh, understandable, given the industry and the people surrounding these people. But uh, I's response was just to smile and mm-hmm. uh, not let it face her, which hurt the person more. Which is like, but yeah, frustrating I, I, for the person. But yeah. But that's I's self defense mechanism in action right mm-hmm. that's uh she wasn't trying to agitate her friend yeah. she can't she climb try- down off her off her golden pedestal to to rumble in the mud like the other people wanted to she can't she, let herself do that she can't let the she walls has to she has to stay uh, up on yeah she has to stay up on top of the walls and be isolated but in order to be who she has to be so yeah yeah in order for her identity to stay intact her self-worth everything she built she has to keep the walls up and she does and it's it's just fucked up and lonely. I get it. Man, Aka, Aka and Mango, what a team. They they really they, they really it. get it, man. And this was they such really a good Yeah, and, and the the wild thing is that I don't think we could have had this conversation one or two chapters ago. That's how sort of like drastic like rapidly things are changing and how they're able to tie all these loose ends together with a chapter like this where Ruby comes out and says, I won't be like my mother. She was this kind of person and I want to be somebody different. Um I agree. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. It, it's a culmination of. It feels like there's like even dialogue that you think would just be filler dialogue to kind of meet a quota. Um, 
it doesn't it circles circles back around to the core yeah. themes in, in i mean yeah i mean so, yeah yeah, I, I did not um, read Scum's Wish by Mengo. I, I watched the anime of it, but I can say for Akka, I mean, Akka's like the master of dialogue, Dude's a pro. right? Like maybe yeah. maybe second only to to someone like, um, uh, who's, why am I forgetting the Monogatari author and Software um, Academy? Nisoyisin, right? Nisoyisin yeah. might be the master of dialogue, but he's all, he's more of a kind of pun, hidden meaning type thing. Yeah, the dialogue, I'd... Maybe it's just good translators. Again, I, the translators I think are doing an excellent job on Oshinoko since they picked it up. So yeah, I think uh, everyone's doing a, a great job and it's showing. You know, yeah, yeah, and the art is great. And like this is, we talk a lot. We talk a lot in this podcast about how we wish that the good writers would just go write manga and the good artists would just draw it. And this is this is a dream team. And I I even like that Mengo, like I said, clearly has her fingerprints in this also because her um, she's able to definitely put some influence on these characters and the story and everything. So yeah, I mean this is. A, Me too. A, a deserved nominee for anime of the year, Oshinoko, and potential winner. I would say it probably loses to Jujutsu Kaisen, but that's because you can't beat the Shonen Bros. So I get it. <laughs> not not everyone wants to read uh, a story about the entertainment yeah. industry or humanity or yeah. Also, yeah the the anime last year was great. Probably the best and the best opening anime song of last year, but. Uh, the most influential I, one released, I would definitely say. Um, yeah, Idol by, oh, what's the name of it? I don't remember. The The song's title is Idol. But um, anything else on Oshinoko? We can go to a quick little news recap and then nah, let's get go out of it. here. Cool. Uh, the big news, get your poppers ready. Monogatari, two more seasons announced, off season and monster season. Um, these are the... Last to well, la last quote unquote to um unadapted Nisoi Isin Monogatari books that have not been animated by Shaft. Shaft announced they are doing it. Um, off season is a bunch of side stories and monster, excuse me. Um, monster story is Araragi in college. I'm fucking hyped for this. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I think the Monogatari series is probably my favorite anime of all time. Um, I'm super hyped for April. We are getting the Kizu sort of remake single movie coming to the, the US. So I'm definitely going to go see that. So this is Dang. this is big, big news. I saw this all over my timeline, probably because I liked like eight tweets in a row. And was like, oh, this guy likes Monogatari announcement things. But um, yeah. Too many things named Monster, but uh, I'm surprised Aragi made it to, uh, to college. That's uh, good for him. <sighs> I mean, yeah, I, he's practically immortal, but he's, he's, he, he, if you watch the seasons, he, he dies, quote unquote, quite a bit in those seasons. So I'm not surprised that he made it that, that far. Oh, I just mean, I'm surprised he's intelligent enough to, to do the thing. Uh, I, I always, I always thought, I haven't seen it, but I thought he was, he'd be like a, he'd be like a dumbass. He's not. Yeah, it's man, it's so hard to like describe Aragi in a few words because he's like such he's complex. He's such a well explored character. It's like, well, I really? can I can say that he's like he's an idiot sometimes, and he loses his composure around girls he finds attractive, and he doesn't, you know, he isn't a good. He's he. He's a piece of shit. No, he's not. He he goes out to be a problem solver. But he's not a good problem solver, so he ends up kind of strong arming stuff. But it usually ends up working out one way or another. Um, he is not oh, outsmarting. I love that. That's, yeah, that's he's fun. 
I think he's easily the most, maybe the most well-developed character in anime I've ever seen. Like, Araragi is, I mean, all of the characters in Monogatari are exceptional. Like, uh, like I, I, I love the, the kind of trope where there's a character who is competent and trying their best, but is hammering nails with a saw. You know, that like, is very uh, much what Aragi... I mean, Aragi has vampire superpowers. He goes up against these things. There are all these girls who are possessed that he has to help, and he does not know how, and he asks for help, and he gets cryptic answers, and he goes, okay, well, that didn't help. I guess I'm just going to go and talk to them or face them down and see what happens. Uh, so I love that. Yeah. yeah he's he's really, really good. I love the Monogatari series. I'm excited for this. Um, Part of me wants to do a full rewatch of the series, but it's a lot of content. I think there's like almost a hundred episodes now with all the Jesus. side and ending stuff, but it's, yeah, it's great. So cool. Um, I saw this on Twitter and I was, it was a pretty cool thing to see. Uh, there is an account slash podcast crew called the Weeb crew. Um, and they developed and started a site called AnnieTubeList.com. Um, that is a list of a bunch of anime and manga YouTubers. Um, I tweeted at them. We aren't on there yet. I said, Hey, you know, we've, <laughs> I've got, we've got, uh, 16 months of manga podcast under our belts and we're not on there. And I, you know, have made two, three pretty good manga videos. So hoping to maybe get another one out eventually. Uh, job search right now, but yeah, pretty cool site there. You can find a lot of smaller people, you know, everyone from, uh, Gigguk and the anime man who are arguably largest to a lot of smaller content guys are on there. Um, hopefully we'll show up on there eventually. Uh, hopefully not too long. I've been checking every day because it's like, uh, I want to be on there because from uh, that, yeah, yeah, any discoverability okay. is good discoverability. I think this is a great idea. Um, just to grab a sort of niche and say, yeah, and there's a lot of these smaller creators, a lot of us smaller creators kind of travel in the same circles. So yeah, it's a great idea. I, I wanted to support it and throw it out there. So yeah, antitubelist.com, go and check that out. See if you can find some more content uh, creators there's, to support. I, I'm looking at the manga list. There's this channel called Naruto Explained with 200 million views. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I, what is there about well, Naruto that needs to be explained? Well, that was my exact response is what needs to be explained about Naruto? It's probably more I, about power systems. It's just a name. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they have conversations about like yes. top Naruto topics and nothing's really because no, nothing about Naruto is really complex. In, yeah, it needs to be. Explained. It's a That's it's funny. a simple thing for sure. Yeah. Uh, what else? we got? I, I just saw it and I, I wanted to give them a quick razz along the way. Yeah. There's a little bit of razz. I mean, yeah, we we flew under the radar, but we're also very small. So uh, maybe if we're a little bit bigger, we'll show up on there. Um, more news. The Promised Neverland artist, Demi Zuposika, is going to publish a new choose-your-own-adventure-style interactive webtoon manga based on the game Oran titled Misanga Root on Jump Plus. So apparently what I read about this is that this is going to be a webtoon-style comic where, I don't know if it's going to be necessarily weekly or bi-weekly or what's going to happen, but there's going to literally be a, like, like a vote at the end of every chapter or some chapters where the audience can choose, you know, which path the person takes, um, kind of a, a throwback. Idea. Yeah. I think this is a fun idea. This is kind of a throwback to, uh, Jason Todd, Killamer, Killamer, uh, keep him alive back from the eighties. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, where, where, where DC literally said, call this number and tell us whether you want us to kill Jason Todd and bloodthirsty as the human beings are, they fucking killed Jason Todd, which is great though, because that's, that's one of the greatest. It's a great stories. decision. Yeah. It, like, it was a good it, decision. It led to some great stories. You know, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have hush or, uh, what the, the fuck crowbar is, scene. The crowbar is iconic now, yeah, and it's definitely been yeah. used. Yeah, it wouldn't have the, the what's it called, the Return of the Joker, Batman Beyond movie has a lot to do with that. Anyways, uh, I think this is really interesting. I'm really curious to see how they do this. I hope 
that they simul uh, publish this in the West also so that we can also vote. I think that would be very cool. Uh, but yes, yeah. let's see. Plus sized elf anime officially announced uh, teaser visual air date 2024 uh, this is based on a lewd fantasy comedy manga by Synecdote about a chubby elf in modern Japan. I've seen this around in manga circles. I'd never read it. Gautam, did you ever check out this chubby elf manga? Uh, no, my, my one of my friends really likes it. Okay, um, I've heard good things about it. He, so. he also is a fetishist. So, okay, uh, yeah, that's that's fine. I, I am unsure if this is just about a chubby elf and it's a slice of life thing, or if it's a fetish thing. I, th- um, I, from what I understand, there is a uh, a healthy chunk of etchy in this, uh, though I haven't read it, okay. so I can't speak entirely on it. But I, I'm fairly sure hey, this, that's definitely an angle fair. that it's doing. So, hey, fair enough. You know, uh, I think there are a billion manga that explore the most niche of fetishes. So uh, there There's, should be a plus size elf yeah. in modern day Japan as well. Yeah, that seems, I having a girl who's not, for a, by American standards, pretty average, to be honest, um, is a- But by elf standards. By elven, sta- by elven Japanese standards is, uh, you know, what were they, plus sized, I guess they could say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, what else we got? Uh, I, I have a note here. Asadora by Naoki Urasawa, my literal favorite mo- author who does Monster 20th Century Boys Pluto, is going on a break to prepare for a new story season. I just wanted to call this out because I I want other authors to do this. And we talk, we talk about this point into the, into the dirt as much as we can. He's taking a break because he needs to plan ahead and write what he's going to write next. And it's like, cool. I, every author should do that. Like, imagine... If my hero, if 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 Hori from My Hero Academia got to just take a break and plan where his story was going, maybe it wouldn't be dog shit now. So all this to say, manga authors should should be able to just announce that hey, we're going on hiatus for you know two months, three months, and when we come back, we'll have our next story planned out. And it'll be really good. Um, this is a this is a privilege based on on. I mean, absolutely. Me. Now Kurosawa was yeah. you know one of if not the most well regarded, well renowned uh, author in manga. So. Yes, and he's allowed to do this. I think. Um, I think so Oda from with, One uh, Piece, Hunter, Togashi, yeah. Togashi, well, Oda. Is, is, Togashi does do it, you know. Uh, well, Togashi's a little bit different. His is a hell thing. He isn't just saying, "Hey guys, I need four years, and I'll give you one chapter to plan my story." Surely, it's it's got to be planned out by now. Right? Oh, I'm I'm not talking about the reasoning. I'm just talking about the level of lenience given to oh, sure, sure, the sure, Urasawas, yeah. the Togashis, the Odas uh, of the world. Yeah, absolutely, I like. I, I don't think they're afforded to anyone who isn't immensely successful. Is it Ruri Dragon? You know, like they mm. they are allowed to take health breaks, but I think uh like not popular manga are are absolutely just gonna get shit canned. Yeah. Well, I mean, sick. and even um uh the author of Fryron, whose whose name I've forgotten, they took a break, you know, last year around this time, the beginning of the year. I which I think was mostly to help work on um, early the development anime, of the anime, but you know, they took two months off, three months off and then came back and it is, you know, still been good since then. So, uh, you're absolutely right that, yeah, the more popular you are, the more you're allowed to do this. My take but is good, that, good for him. Yeah. My take yeah. is that everyone should just be allowed to do this. Like, I mean, Agreed. even, even, uh, PTO. Tatsuki Fujimoto's Chainsaw Man, right? He writes 96 chapters, 94 chapters, and then says, okay, I'm taking a two year break. I'm going to write some other stuff and then I'll come back with the next part. It's like, just let authors do this and we get better stories for it. So, uh, that's the point. Yeah. I think Fujimoto did it intelligently where it's like you could end Chainsaw Man there and not have a season two. Mm -hmm. It would feel like a very good ending. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I, I, more or less, I agree with you. They they should 100% have, have these breaks. Um, there was a new series on jump plus for us called girl meets rock that uh, released four chapters. Did you happen to read any of these Gautam? 
Is this Bochi? Bochi the Rock? It's the best way I can describe it is it it is budget Bochi meets budget Kaon meets the budget main character from Skip and Loafer. Uh, and it doesn't do any of oh, those three. Rough. It doesn't do any of those three better than those three do it. Um, so, those three do it so well. That's it's They a do their market. own things very well. And it's a crossover, all those things. And it isn't super exceptional. I didn't love it. I thought it was okay. It certainly isn't bad. Um, I'll stick with it for a couple more chapters and see. But uh, just let people know that's out. All right. Last thing on the news here is the... I don't remember if we did this last week or not. So I threw it in here. Uh, the Oremo creator Tsukasa Fushimi's... Oh, yeah, New twin sibling incest rom-com light novel. My first love is so embarrassing that I can't tell anyone is getting a manga adaptation uh, in Young Animal in spring. So that is coming up soon. More Oremio. Uh, this is, I, I think this is, oh, we did talk about this. Did we talk about how it's like a body swap? Like twin yeah, sibling yeah. Free, incest free thing? Friday. Yeah. Free, uh, an, an Oshinoko that leans into the incest of it all. Yeah, that's, what if, <laughs> I, 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 I got another thumbnail brewing. What if incest was mediocre? Um, <laughs> get some more clicks on there. Cool. Uh, that's it for the news. Gautam. Let's see. I'll tell you what I've been doing this week. Uh, sure. other, other than applying for jobs, being out of work. Um, I have been catching up on dimension 20 fantasy high oh, sophomore year. Um, I, I love it, man. I've watched yeah. both seasons a few times. I had the first season is, one of one of the best live play things I think I've ever seen. Um, it grabs you really quick. I think the first two episodes really, really do it for you. Um, and then it's just, you know, rip roaring fun all the way through. Uh, I've seen lots of the other D20 stuff. I like all of it to varying degrees. Um, sophomore year has been really good. I do think it was a slow start. It was kind of the same as uh, Unsleeping City for me. Like, it took a while to get going. I stuck with it. I had it in the background and then they sort of get to where it's like, here's the main bad guy. Here's the plot. Here's the point. And I'm like, okay, yes, I'm there. I get it. It was kind of the same with this season for me. Um, I think I have one, well, I have one more episode to watch, which I'll probably watch tonight. Uh, the very last episode. So it was kind of the same here where it's like, you know, they did their round, they do stuff. And then once you get like, okay, here's the, here's the main bad guy. Here's what's going on. Here's what's happening around episode like eight or nine. You're like, okay, now I'm in, now I want it. Now we're going, um, all the stuff when they go to hell has been great. Um, all the stuff with everyone's dads has been great. That's like a lot of the series is just like people it's, and their it's dads. Dad, it is dad's dad stuff. A lot of dads. It's like three on. or f no, it's like five or six different good. dads in this, in the season or no, it's like everyone, but Gorgo's dad is involved with in this season. So, and all the dads are great. Uh, yes, they're all good. It, they're all very, it's, it's just a very funny, I, you know, Brendan Lee Mulligan is one of those people who I've been watching for a while and it, he, it's like, he's an ego check of a human being because yeah. if you ever, if you ever feel like high on your own supply or incredibly confident, you can just watch Brendan Lee Mulligan at work and, uh, rightfully humble yourself. It's the like, dude is immensely talented. He's like, okay, could you play 20 different 20 different characters, each with individual characteristics and accents, which you can, which you can call out without seeing him performed or seeing a visual of them and tell a compelling story where six other characters all have like fully realized character arcs. Yeah. He's, I mean, he does this like every season of D20, right? Is that he, he lets every character have their moments. He's yeah. Easily the best D and D I think D20. He's so quick and, and funny too. Like, yeah. I mean, he like, has everything going on. Yeah. He's, I mean, I, I like him more than Matthew Mercer. I think that is a preference thing. I think Matt, Matt Mercer is also an amazing uh, storyteller and stuff. I just think me Brent, too. But Brendan Mulligan is just I, just is a better fit for me. But uh, I I need that amount of goofs in a D and D story. Critical Role is a bit too yeah. serious. Um, it, it does I get mean, goofy, but I can't. I, my problem with Critical Role is like, well, I want to start from the beginning, and the first like 
that that's also a 28 I, hours of that series are like impossible to get through. It's like so low quality, very difficult recordings, but it's like, I don't want to miss it. Maybe I'll watch they, the TV series. They at have some, some good goofs too, but I, I mm-hmm. think there, there's a, a goof to serious ratio where yeah. I prefer it to be more of a 50, 50 than, than yeah. like a, an 80, 20, which is like, yeah, it's also, right? I mean, critical role definitely, I think as voice actors and performers are very good at performing their characters, but something about getting seven, uh, improv actors and comedy writers and comedy actors doing D and D together and letting them do serious moments is it's something. It feels special. like it, it feels like I'm at the table when I listen to Dimension Twenty. Yes, whereas yeah. Critical Role feels like a compelling story. Yeah, you're watching if, them if play. Sense. Whereas yeah. D Twenty, you're like I'm there with these people. Like, yeah, it's great. Uh, so that's what I've been um, doing, Gautam. What have you been up to? That's really good. Uh, one last thought on that. I, oh yeah, I do think Brendan Lee Mulligan is so immensely talented and great that uh the other folks at the table don't really get the shout outs from the public that they deserve like I, zach oyama murph and like Emily, literally everyone so at the table is great like i was even annoyed with um with fig what's her name in the first season i was like man this girl like steals the spotlight a lot and now it's like i i don't know it's like i i expect her to that is more of like her character than her actual persona i guess where it's like i expect fig to try to like act out and do whatever she can to win and to like table check the and rule check brennan and it's good and i like like it now and when i didn't like it at the start um but yeah it's uh, you should listen to not another D podcast it's murph emily and um a, a few other people that yeah I, I i knew that they yeah, ran their own really that good. was good yeah i should listen to that yeah because i i do like Murph, especially this season with uh, with Riz has been like excellent. Like he was definitely kind of a little left behind in season one compared to other people. I felt like, that way, too. But in this season, uh, he's like the main character. He's like the star, which he, is great. He He's the DM. Uh, he's insanely good as a DM, like mm. very good. But I would like to see that. I yeah, I like him as a player a lot. So mine's a quickie. Uh, I've watched uh, Delicious in Dungeon, Dungeon Meshi, episode one on nice. Netflix. Um, so very good. So very good. Uh, feels like I'm hanging out with my pals again. I uh, yeah, go, more, go on. more D&D yeah. essentially, right? Dungeon Meshi is the D&D it, it anime really just is, about. Yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's all I got. I, I've gushed about Dungeon Meshi over the months enough. Uh, go go check it out. Go support it. It's, it's yep. super good. We talked about the uh, finale of it back in, when was that? September, maybe? Two months ago? Three months ago? August, September. Oh, August, September, October, around there. I think it was September yeah. is maybe when that ended or maybe July or something. Oh, so okay. go check it out. It's in the it's in the archives. Um, it's back there if you want it. Cool. Uh, I guess that's it. Hey, thank you again for listening and watching, everyone. Don't forget to give us positive feedback. That means give a like and subscribe on the page. Hit that little bell to be notified once a week when we go live with new content. Um, check out Twitter and Patreon, which is linked in the description. Uh, thank you again for being with us this week. I'll catch you later, guys. And don't forget to read more manga.